everybody. This is Jen Kleinhens. And I'm Rob Vose. And you're listening to another episode of Everybody Hates Your Brand, a podcast where we talk about our thoughts and opinions on marketing, from customer experience to brand and everything in between. Join us today as we talk about working abroad, the good, the bad, and the confusing. Right. So I think a good question you're probably thinking is, why now? Why are we talking about working abroad when barely anyone can travel? Yeah, I've barely um, left the house. Yes. We, I don't think we've left the house in about nine months. Um, well, why now? I, I think, to be fair, you know, as an American who's worked in, in two <clears throat> foreign countries at this point, I get a lot of emails from alma maters from places I've gone to school where they've recommended that people who want to work abroad reach out to me. And I'll be honest, I've started to get those emails again. So mm. I believe that there is some pent-up demand due to COVID. I think that's fair. I think with the vaccine on the horizon, maybe people are thinking, okay, mm. you know, this is something that I can probably accomplish or do. Yep. And also, like I said, a lot of people in my networks that I see are still considering, they're still contacting me, and they're still taking jobs abroad. Yes. So it's still happening. Um, and I know, I know, you know, if there are people who I've worked with who've, who you know moved to New York recently and and various bits and pieces like that. Mm-hmm. And it's still, it's still, it still happens. But I think you're right about the pent up demand thing. I think holidays, but also uh, getting away from the the place you've been stuck almost. Yeah. It's like you know I've got to get out and do something different. Well, I also think if you're American, between Trump and the way that the countries handle COVID, I feel like <laughs> a lot of people just like yeah, have to get out. Maybe they need a change. Absolutely. I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we are going to cover a few um, different topics here. Obviously, we can only speak from our experience. I have, as an American person, worked now in Sydney, Australia, and am working in London, although we live outside of London. Yes. And then... And I, as a Brit, uh, worked in Australia. Yes. Um, and we did kind of go back and forth on, you know, because obviously, like, I have friends that have, like, learned Italian and went to, yeah. like, work in Italy. And that's amazing. I would um, hope if they learned Italian, it would be Italy they went to. Otherwise, it would be a bit... Yeah. So it's it's worth saying that although we did not, at least I can speak for myself, although neither one of us had to, like, learn a foreign language and go, you know, do business in that language, mm-hmm. I think it has a whole other host of complications and issues and challenges, I would argue that... Australia and the UK do speak a very different language. Massively so. As Winston Churchill, common culture, separated by... Do you wait, mean Australia or... Separated by common language. I'm going to butcher that, that well, quote. It was, wasn't it the US and the UK, not Australia and the UK? Yeah, but yeah. Same, same deal. It's the same thing. It's, it, it's funny, the language thing, I think there's a sense of complacency. Yeah, you, you think... Yeah, like you, you feel like you, you get... I mean... I'll use I'll I'll, I'll earn our not safe for work uh, rating right Uh-oh. now. Um, so uh, an old friend of mine, uh, I shall name her Emma Tedesk, um worked in Australia for a while for Vodafone, mm-hmm. and the she was getting to their first meeting, first day or something, and sorry Emma if I'm butchering this, and um, she said that uh, she got to work and she was struggling to find the best way to get to work. The best, the best route. The best path. As, route, as Americans would say, or route, we would say. It, we say both, but yes. Yeah. To to route in Australia... R-O-O-T. Is to have sex. It is the F word, basically. To bang, yes. Kind of. It's a curse, right? Like, and you so, wouldn't say it at work. And so when she walked into the meeting and so said, I was struggling to find a really good route to work, on the uh, way to work. Bum, bum, bum. Everyone found that hilarious. Yes. So it's a, it, it, there's more... 
it's weird. You get complacent because you can speak, you can converse with people. There's subtleties, but there are language. subtleties that are that are really yes. quite stark in certain in certain ways. Yeah. So I think that maybe the first thing we should talk about is why both of us decided um, to work abroad and why that was something that that we both wanted to do. Would you like to start? I mean, I guess we can. Um, I, I think for me, it was interesting because I left the U.S. and moved to to Sydney to work. In 20, late 2016. Mm-hmm. So obviously when I was at the airport and they, I gave like the one-way ticket and you have to show your visa and the whole thing. The one-way ticket is without question the weirdest experience. It's, it's very scary. It's so odd. But when I would show the ticket like to the airline stewards and things, or not the airline stewards, but yeah. the people at the gate, mm-hmm. I would inevitably get a comment, oh, because Donald Trump's president, right? That really had nothing to do with it. Happy it accident. Was, it was a happy coincidence. <laughs> and now looking back four years later, I think we have the benefit of... Oh, yeah, that's a good timing. And, and, um, and with all due respect, you know, Australia's not, uh, you know, Tony Abbott, Scott Morrison, not exactly a shining beacon of It anyway. has its own challenges. But the point being is that I did not move because of Donald Trump, and I think people bring that up a lot given the timing. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, like having, you know, worked in the U.S. and, I mean, being in a military family, I think we had opportunities to, like, move to different countries and try different things. My parents, for one reason or another, never wanted to take up those opportunities. And so as a kid, even, I saw the opportunity to kind of go abroad and, like, experience Mm -hmm. a different culture, like, you know, specifically Germany, because that's where a lot of Air Force families and things will go through that rotation. Mm -hmm. Um, But we did not. So when that opportunity passes by, I think it kind of planted the seed of, I would really like to experience another culture and, like, see, you know, what's out there. And I think as an American, you know, I am... I'm not first or second generation, but I'm pretty close in terms of people coming from different countries and mm-hmm. parts of my family having been there and parts coming over. But, um, you know, we're like a nation of immigrants. So there's something fascinating to me about going to a different country and trying on, you know, like a new way of living, a new culture, a new way of being and sort of having grown up moving every, you know, couple mm. years, basically. Um, I, I think for me, I felt like I had a good base of flexibility and like, the ability to kind of, you know, try something new. So for me, it made a lot of sense. It was something I'd always wanted to do. And would you say you were an outlier? Uh, in terms of work, I... I mean, I don't wish to stereotype an entire yeah. nation of 300 and odd million people, but... Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's a lot of, like, living in Europe, I think there's a lot of guff, and it's really popular, I think, to kind of rag on Americans. Oh, nobody owns a passport, blah, blah, yeah. It is a huge-ass country, yeah. okay? It is people 365 million plus... It is all sorts of different cultures. I mean, it, it's huge. So no offense to the Europeans mm. in the room or who are listening, yeah. but like if they spoke a different language in North Carolina than they do in South Carolina, we would all speak like 15 different languages, but we don't. Yeah. It's a big country. And many people are just satisfied, I think, mm. to move from like San Francisco to New so York Houston to do to a, wherever, yeah. Yeah, to try on that kind of culture. I think we forget that. I think, I think Europeans especially forget that. It's huge. Um, so, you know, like just, just yeah. step back slightly. Um, I do think a lot of Americans want to work abroad, but mm-hmm. to be honest with you, like we don't have the benefit of a Commonwealth, mm-hmm. so it is difficult. So Commonwealth being like Canada, Australia, yeah, England, New Zealand, you know, and, anywhere that's ex empire empire that we're still on speaking terms with. Yeah, we um, we we kicked <laughs> you guys out, so uh, we don't have a great relationship says, at the moment. Says terms the of girl people. currently drinking a cup of tea. I'm just saying. Anyway. But point being is that I think a lot of Americans would really like to, Mm. but for one reason or another, it it becomes Mm. really difficult. And I think talent exchange and visas and just, I mean, look, this is a perception I think a lot of Americans have, which is, 
America is the best place, is the best country, there's the most opportunity. Why would I go anywhere else? And why would I want to go That's why I was asking whether you felt like you were more of an outlier doing something different. Uh, yes and no. I think I'm an outlier in the fact that like I pulled the trigger and did it. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people get to the precipice and kind of go, I don't, I can't really it's give up every though. single thing because it's really scary. Yeah, it or scary. the ones who do it, I think will do it for, you know, two or three years and then kind of come back yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. Um, my experience, I had, as I said before, you know, I knew people who lived, in, lived and worked in Australia. I've been a couple of times on holiday, uh, had loved being in Australia, one of my favorite places. And I'd never done that. A lot of people here do the traveling thing. You know, they'll go backpacking around Europe or they'll go backpacking to Australia. Well, you guys have a gap New year. Zealand a lot of people all that sort of stuff. Too, Some people right? take gap years, but, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd never had. And uh, I was always too scared to just jump on what's called like a work work sort of holiday visa, which is like a year long and you go mm-hmm. and you've got a certain, you know, you can then try and latch on to a proper job and then get a different type of visa. Mm-hmm. I was always too much of a, was for that and I never really wanted to do the traveling thing I was never really that that bothered by it but I'd always said when I was younger that I wanted to work in Australia having visited there mm-hmm. and time had gone on and I was 37 so given my age now when I moved in 2014 and the opportunity came up and one of the questions you were talking about earlier when we were discussing this podcast is how do you get abroad I imagine one of the biggest <laughs> ways is you know somebody who's out there sorry in my mind and how do you get abroad no not abroad <laughs> I'm not a New Yorker. That's a whole different podcast. That's a whole um, different podcast. Sorry for my American accent then. But you, but I knew somebody out there, a lovely person called Annie Parker, who recommended me for a job, and yeah. sort of go through the, the motions of getting you know, getting the job. And and uh, and if you listen back to the interview with Simone Blakers, she was the person who hired me. I think it's episode 15, 16, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the key thing here was that I didn't have any ties. I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. I didn't have, uh, I had a mortgage, but I didn't, you know, my parents were in their mid sixties. Sorry, mum and dad giving away your age. And I felt like this was the last chance I had Mm -hmm. to do it really. Mm -hmm. Plus I had a job offer and I had a relocation Mm -hmm. as part of that. And I had a friend out there already. Yeah. So it's funny. People always, people said to me, Oh, it's really, uh, it's impressive that you moved to Australia and it's really big. I am proud of it. But for me, it wasn't like the Hail Mary pass that a lot of people had, which is like the people who worked in my yeah. team like, um, who moved out on a working visa and then managed to latch on to it. That was never happening as far mm-hmm. as I was concerned. Yeah. Um, too risk averse, too British. Um, but but it, it was because I'd always wanted to and an opportunity arose and I thought, right. It was, it was less about the job, sorry, Simone. It was more about Sydney. Uh, mm-hmm. And moving to Australia for me, that was the the kind of like I've, I love this place. And I knew it would be different working there than going on holiday, and that's a big thing. Yeah, to explain Living to people, it's a very very different world when you <laughs> yes. you get up on a Monday morning and you've got to get into work, and mm-hmm. versus it's two weeks in Sydney doing whatever you like. Yeah, um, it's a very different situation. I think that's a, that's yeah. a big learning experience. But that's why I moved. I moved because it was the right time and the right opportunity and I'm lucky as hell. Well, and I think, you know, I get this I get this question a lot from um te- a lot of people from like my alma mater. So I went to a place called the VCU Brand Center, which is very very well respected advertising school. Um mm-hmm. it's like a who's who type of place. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of people come out of this graduate program and they want to know, well, how as an American do I get a job abroad? And there's basically two ways. Um because if you do decide to do it, um, visas will start to play a huge role in your life. Yep. 
the, the changes in the laws around visas, the dates with visas, the yeah. amount of time that you get if you're sponsored with your job, like all sorts mm. of things. But basically, there's two ways in, which is you know somebody and they recommend you for a role yeah. and then the usually the, you know, the, they'll sponsor you on the visa mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and then being transferred in a company. And I think it's very worth saying that a lot of people that reach out to me who want to work abroad are young. And I think for the reasons that you're mm-hmm. saying, like they don't have kids, they're not married, they yeah. just want to try something and they want to go off and, and live. The the problem with that is it's a little bit of a catch-22, which is that most companies do not want to sponsor you unless you're of a suit, like a, like a, a seniority level that, because they have to pay a fair amount of money for you to get sponsored mm-hmm. on a visa if it's a work visa. I think we're talking like, you know, thousands of, thousands of pounds. I'm not in the sure. UK. I've never, I never found it's, out. It's a fair amount of money. Um, and they don't want to do that if you are, if it represents like, ten, you know, 25% of your entire salary. It doesn't make any sense to them in terms of a return no. on investment. And also, no offense to people who are just getting started in marketing or advertising, but you don't have skills that will separate you from other people. So yeah, in yeah. a lot of countries, they have to do a market skills test. Um, I think yes. in the UK, they're doing some reforms around them, so they're yeah. changing a little bit. But like in Australia and the UK, mm-hmm. they have to say, like, this person does not have a skill set that we can find yes. in the local population. Mm-hmm. And in the UK, before Brexit and all of that, that was really difficult because you'd really have to have a specialized set of skills because they had an entire talent pool in Europe yes. as well. So this is something to bear in mind is you yeah. have to be distinctive. You have to have a track record. Mm-hmm. And you have to have, I, I believe, a rare set of skills makes it much more possible. I think so. And I think, you know, I was a benefit of two things with Australia. One is it's a small, you know, 20-something million people live in Australia, even though yeah. it's the size of the US. Yeah. Um, and there is a well-trodden path between the UK and Australia. There's a you relationship know, it's, there. It, you know, obviously, it's, it, it's, it's from, you know, from, from the history that everybody knows about the UK and Australia. You know, there are a lot of... If you, you go and work in London, you'll find a lot of Aussies. Mm-hmm. And you go and work in Sydney, you find a lot of Brits. I mean, for a long time, my team was all British. I was shocked when I, mm. I started working in Sydney and I was like, there are like no Australian people here, basically. There was, there's the, the, yeah, it's... it's um, the percentage was very small. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that percentage... It, it's interesting, you know, I think... A lot of people do go out younger because it's there's less risk mm. when you're younger. Yeah. Um, and I think you know there are there there is it is possible to go out. They say historically to go out to Australia on like a working visa and then mm-hmm. latch on. So mm-hmm. I know people who you know many people who did that. Yeah. Who then got you know account management or whatever it was at the the companies mm-hmm. they were at. I would be interested. I don't know the answer to this whether it's different between client versus agency, um, and whether it's a more well trodden path agency side i don't know um I w- but all the I people i know the, who are hired who are picked up yeah. with talented people you know i get the impression at least in my experience that you're much more likely to get picked up by an agency and i think you're also from an american perspective probably much more likely to get transferred mm. um on on agency side i don't think i'm trying to think i don't think i know anyone who has worked abroad who isn't either a consultant or in an agency i I can, well, no, a, I take that back. I might know some some people that work to North America and then like went to Mexico if, or Canada. I also wonder though if it's client side, if it's more likely to be within a company structure. So I know a lot of people at Vodafone. You know, Vodafone's got territories. And oh yeah, millions and millions They'll get of companies, and it's a transfer. Yeah. And I wonder yeah. if a client. And again, we're just talking out of turn. If they know the answers here, but um, but it. But I think it, you're right about the visa thing. 
is difficult and obviously we're having some funding games with that at the moment but mm. but one of the, the visa things that struck me i was out there on what's called a 457 visa in australia and, and essentially what that means is you're sponsored by your mm-hmm. your your company and you're you're a, you're a resident and all those kind of things but you uh, if you lose your job with your company you have a certain amount of time to get a new job and get somebody else to pick up your sponsorship otherwise mm-hmm. you're going home yep you're getting back on the plane and uh you to a degree have to be comfortable with having that Yes. Sort of Damocles hanging over your head uh, for a period of time um, until and and it, it, it's harder now I think in Australia because when I moved a four five seven was a four year visa and after two years you could apply yeah. for permanent residency and then you're fine um, and then you're in a path to citizenship if you want to do that but you can leave your job and not get booted out of the country yeah um, that's now been removed and I understand you know the visas are only two years now and various bits of I think it's like worth that. saying that if you want to move someplace you need to start paying attention to the politics of that country true because if for instance you start to get somebody like Trump or um, you know well in the, lib- wait, the, like the Liberal Party here... in, the Liberal Party in Australia have, uh, certainly have a have a, a, a strict stance on immigration let's um, let's put it this way if, if you are in a country and a more conservative party, yeah. a more nationalistic party gets in power, you can find that rules like that will change very quickly. Absolutely, yes. So it, it could be, oh, well, you know, the, the visa that you're mm. on, you'll get grandfathered into it. But for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, when I was in Australia, they were giving you 90 days. So if you lost mm. your job or left your job, you had 90 days. Yes, I think that's still the case. N- no, Is it because not? when I left yeah. my role there... I had a 60-day time period, which actually I was not grandfathered into the 90 days. They were like, we changed it to 60 days. That's two months. They made changes literally just before you arrived and just because because it was it it changes very very, quickly. It changed. And it was there was a lot of uproar about it. Yeah. Different industries trying to get, you know, sort of separate rules. Yeah. But you see something similar like in the U.S. when Trump um, changed the way the H-1B visas work for Mm -hmm. a lot of people in the tech industry come in on those visas. Um, And so I think it's just something to be aware of. Like. If I, if it were me, um, I would not be coming abroad with like one month's savings. I yeah, would just have an be, exit strategy. I would just like, you're going to do great. It'll be fine. Yeah. But make sure that financially you can handle yeah. like a couple of, and exchange rates will become your best friend. Because mm-hmm. if for instance, you know, you are on the US dollar and you go mm-hmm. to Australia, the US dollar is much stronger than the Australian dollar. So your savings will work for you. But if you have savings in U.S. dollars and you move someplace like the U.K., mm-hmm. where the pound is stronger than the dollar, you're going to have yeah. less runways. So yeah. Just be aware. I think I, I, I always think about your exit strategy. Yes, totally. Always. Uh, and, and that sucks. And eventually you, you forget it. Like certainly after, you know, I mean, when I made it through probation after three months... Also your, something we don't do in the US, so we're talking about Yeah, which is, so probation is basically a three-month period at the beginning of your contract where the company, uh, and you to a degree, have a, the opportunity to just say, this isn't working, we made a mistake in the hire, um, yeah. we're going to get rid of you with a shorter notice period than you would normally have. Yeah. Uh, there's an interesting thing we'll get onto, I guess, employment law and notice periods. Um, but, but certainly, I you know, until I got through, once I got through probation, I settled I settled in mm-hmm. in terms of my work perspective. I, I felt right. okay. I'm, I'm. They must think I'm doing okay. Um, and and eventually you for, you you don't you forget the sort of Damocles bit, 
uh, to an extent. Mm. But every now and again, it'll pop up. Like maybe your agency loses an account or maybe there's something, you know, and, and yeah. all of a sudden you're like, or there's a new boss or, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're kind of like, you are, it does pop back into your head. Yeah. Um, from time to time. It's always kind of there in the back of your, back of your mind to a degree. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, talking about sort of challenges, um, culture changes, like benefits of working Mm. abroad, like clearly the visa stuff is part of that. I think clearly the exchange rates are part of that as well. Like you can have savings in one country that you feel like you're doing great or your salary is really big. And then you go back to where you Mm -hmm. came from originally or move to a different country and all of a sudden your financial fate has changed really quickly because of exchange rates. Um, I think... Uh, it might be worth talking about, like from the American perspective of um, of working abroad. I'm, I'm going to speak very broadly um, and maybe say something that isn't super popular. But mm. I have found as an American working abroad that there is a very there's a large preconceived notion that many people have about Americans and the way we are mm-hmm. and what we do and our culture and how we behave and what our business behavior is like. And some of those are beneficial. Mm-hmm preconceived notions but many of those are not Mm -hmm. um and you will find as i have that there are people who will judge you for being american who will not like you before you open your mouth who will not like anything that you say Mm -hmm. who will have a confirmation bias against the culture that you come from and and they'll have thoughts and they'll put those thoughts on you yeah um also when things happen in your country especially i think as an american like Mm -hmm. If Trump, you know, back in the days, thank God he's not the president for much longer, but when he was, if he did something stupid, everybody wants to talk to you about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I was in Australia, there was the Las Vegas shooting mm. and everybody wanted to talk about that. Gun control and all that. Yeah. And they always want, you know, and I've heard people sitting across from me at desks saying things like, you know, in Australia particularly, um, and sometimes in the UK as well, you know, if there's a mass shooting in America, these Americans are so stupid. Why don't they just get rid of all the guns? And they're sitting right in front of you talking about <laughs> your country like you're not from the country. Yeah. What's wrong with these idiots? Like, you know, like, okay, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sitting right in front of you. So maybe think for two seconds about how that might make me feel or why this might be a more nuanced issue or it's a point of discussion. But maybe not, you know, all these dumb rednecks, like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like that's... Guys, like, I'm right in front of you. So yes. I think things like this, like, prepare yourself for it. Not everybody's like that. No. Most people are not. But you will occasionally run across people who there don't are, like you because of where you're from. There are national stereotypes. I remember when I came back from Australia, somebody, a recruiter, was talking to me about, I'm not sure this is the case anymore, at least I hope it's not, but this idea that Aussies finish work at five o'clock and they're down surfing on the beach and they're... <laughs> You know, doing all those kind of stereotypes, but they're they're kind of work shy and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, are you insane? Like, I worked crazy hours at DDB. Yeah. It's got my timesheets. You know, and, and, and I think that was an interesting one coming back from the UK. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. it wasn't, it's not, it's not the same here. Yeah. We work harder in London. And I think that's London exceptionalism rearing Mm -hmm. its ugly head again. But, um, but that's, I think that you're right about the American thing. You're right about, you know, vice versa it's definitely... and look i i'm not just saying that like i'm not saying that americans will not do that to other people from other mm. cultures absolutely i'm sure that happens I'm sure like, i'll get bad teeth joke if i worked in america listen i had um i had <laughs> when i worked at at&t i had a bunch of british bosses come in yeah and nobody said one bad thing they're all like i could listen to them on meetings all day their accent is so cute <laughs> and i was like literally i there's i don't yeah. i can't think off the top of my head what a terrible stereotype about british people in yeah. america would be i think it's mostly that you're you're dreamy yeah. <laughs> like, i don't think well, I mean, listen to me. Well, you are. But the, <laughs> you're slightly biased in that situation. Well, yeah. But I think, I think what we've got to be careful of is, is making it, 
Like, I wouldn't swap my time in Australia for the world. Yeah. And I, and I think there's yeah. a couple of different reasons for that. It, I'll be clear. I moved to Australia um, because I wanted to live in Sydney and I wanted to live in a city and I wanted... And I, and I just loved that place. And I still do. And to be honest with you, if I could move you and my parents and everybody over to Sydney, I would still be there now. Yeah. Because I... If we could move the families not a, to Australia, a, I think we would live there. There's not a day that doesn't go by yeah. where I don't think about what it was like in my life in Sydney and, mm-hmm. and, and how I wish we could, you know, lottery tonight, 175 million. You <laughs> Get a beautiful, know. expensive house in yeah, Monday Beach. Yeah, absolutely. Just... Live in Wallara or yeah. Watson's I mean, Bay or something and like that. And that's the thing is I don't, but, I don't want people to listen to this to your point and mm-hmm. think like we did. I mean, I enjoyed my experience yeah. at every place that I've worked. Despite the fact that some was good and some was bad. And yeah. it's always a mixed bag no matter what you do. But I wouldn't trade that time anywhere for anything because I think no. it's incredibly valuable. No. And I think I just wanted to kind of that what what leads you to making it. Okay. So when I first got there, a couple of things. One, you have to be lucky in or you have to be very clear about what the expectations of you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I was super lucky with Simone uh, and the people around me. Um who were working there at the time, that they were patient. You know, they knew I'd never worked agency side and it took a bit of time for me to Sorry, get... just to make this point, this is not working abroad so much as changing. No, no, changing, but it, but it was but it was quite different in terms of mm-hmm. like the, the culture and getting... So, understand a, the so culture. a double switch, basically. Yeah, and understanding the brands and understanding yeah. the terminology and, right. and how different the market is in terms of mm-hmm. how much... Australia's weird in like... The 4G and 5G network was right. so far ahead of the UK, mm-hmm. but the broadband network, fixed broadband network, is appalling. Mm-hmm. So you've got this weird, this different, and that that then creates mm-hmm. different behaviours. And mm-hmm. uh, I think you just, but so you've got to find somebody who's supportive and understands it's going to take right. time for the culture yeah. shift and to I, happen. I think that's that's a culture shift. Maybe they were more used to, to yeah, making. Of, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like I was working on a, a banking brand, and. Um, you know, in, in Australia, they call checking accounts, current accounts. Mm-hmm. And I got dinged so many times. I had slammed stuff on tables. Mm-hmm. God, it's a current account. Like, you know, having I just... I think it's the other way around because we say or, current account here and it's checking, check account over there. No, it's definitely not because it I said checking account, which is what we call it in the US. Yeah. And then I would get dinged for not calling it a current account. Yeah, yeah, well, whatever. Saying, we were yeah. talking about current accounts. So mortgages and, versus home loans. And we I say just... Mortgages here. Yeah. And like, like certain people, I think we're just... <laughs> Yeah. You're making no attempt to learn our culture, which is not true at all. I had been there for like two weeks and I was just, yeah. I was in a massive change all around. So I think, yeah. you know, this is the other point. If you're going to work abroad, try not to be the first person that's ever <laughs> done that with a company because I think there's something to be said about the company culture as well. So like mm. where I work at the moment, um, you know, we have a Chicago headquarters, we have a European headquarters and our client is a global client. So yeah. there's a lot of back and forth. You know, every once in a while there's an American yeah. who transfers over or vice versa, you know, the, the the Brits go over to the American office yep. and all of that stuff. And I think that's made the culture of the company much more, you know, I guess accepting is the wrong word, but it's much more inclusive. Like they mm-hmm. get, you know, you're going to have to learn some yes. things. They give you some time yeah, so to more do of a, stuff. more of a trodden path. Yes. And if, if that's not something that the company, yeah. if they're like, oh, we've never done this before, this is the first time, just set expectations Yeah, is what I would say. Yeah. And I think the, the key to all this is relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think building relationships with the people that you work with. Yes. Building Very relationships with, yeah, as quick as you can. I think there's some person, you know, some personal things that, lessons that I was told that I kind of 
stood by. Mm-hmm. So you will, not everybody maybe, but most people, you will after three months think, what the fuck have I done? Why am I here? I thought that on the plane. I yeah. was like on the plane and I was going, I oh mean, my God. And I was lucky that I had to say a friend out there and I could stay with her for a little while to begin with until I got my feet mm-hmm. on under me. And but I'm just saying, remember, I moved out over in January and then Easter and it's a long weekend, you, uh, the Friday and the Monday off. And on my own, Annie was away. And after about the, and I was, I'm perfectly fine being on my own. I like living on my own. But, but after the sort of Saturday, I was like, I am really lonely. Like, oh, like no. genuinely lonely. Oh. And but maybe you've people at work who you become friendly with, but it takes a while for a work, person you get on with at work to be able to call them up and then go, hey, do you want to go out for lunch yeah. or do you want to yeah. do something? It takes a long time for that to happen. I think if I had to do it over again, yeah. I would live with flatmates. Or See, I, I wouldn't, but I was, again, I was lucky that I had any, if I didn't know anybody, then maybe I can understand, mm-hmm. I can understand why you would do that. Yeah. So I think in terms of kind of key lessons, so kind of beyond the work stuff, which I think we've, we've kind of beaten with the stick a little bit yeah. in the, in the culture yeah. stuff. Um, there's lots of little differences. So like the metric system was no fun to learn. I'm now pretty good at it. We, the thing is, the UK is in this <laughs> stupid hybrid situation. Yeah. You're where our house. height and our weight, we still talk about. <laughs> feet and inches and stones and all those kind of things. Yeah. And yet everything else is in metric. We're in a stupid kind of halfway house. We yeah. kind of refuse to be... You'll start to learn how to calculate like exchange rates really quickly. Oh, yes. you, you I will... actually pay attention to like Forex markets and stuff yeah. now because it has a lot to do with You will life. still <laughs> look at prices, mm-hmm. convert back to your British or American or whatever, your home yeah. currency and then do the I, I do that in the grocery store. Yeah. Like, you know, five pounds or something. Oh yeah. my God, what is that? Like, yeah, 650? Yeah, yeah. Like, I did ugh. that for years. And I, st- I still did it, even towards yeah. the end. Because I think it's weird too, because a number is a number, really. Yeah. Um, You know, it's it's not when they price eggs at five pounds or whatever, they're not yeah. thinking this is 650. Uh, You yeah. know what I mean? But you are always going to think that mm-hmm. because you're just used to yeah. like whatever. And I think it's, it's interesting too, just like little things um, with the life stuff. So I, I know I just said we've beaten work with a stick, but as a as an American in Europe, mm-hmm. or as in, in the UK, I guess now, um, the work culture, how many days you get off, like mm-hmm. the expectation, like you still work hard, mm. but the amount of bank holidays that everybody gets, yep. like closing the office for Christmas, like getting well, 26, 28 days off. Well, me explaining to you what gardening off. leave was. What's that? Me explaining gardening to you what gardening leave was. Yeah, listen to this, Americans. So gardening leave, so essentially in this country, you obviously have a notice period. Mm-hmm. And... So you, either you give it or your company makes you redundant yes. for whatever reason. And it's hard to make people so, redundant. Sorry, redundant being laying off, not laying firing. Off, yeah. And it's hard to things. be, it's hard to, to do that in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, as it should be, frankly. And so let's say I've got a three month notice period. Mm-hmm. Um, normally you would work that notice period. But mm-hmm. let's say you're going to a direct competitor. Yes. And they don't, you know, your existing company doesn't want you taking secrets and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff they will do something called put you on gardening leave so what gardening leave and it's still a career uh objective of mine is essentially they they pay you to stay at home yes so your existing company is paying you to stay at home during your notice period so you're not you're not out to work you don't get involved in anything Mm -hmm. because they don't want you to take those Mm -hmm. secrets with you so so i think that's a i think i think you're to a point about employment law and all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. um it's funny, like Australia, America seems really extreme to me, and Australia is somewhere in the middle between America and the UK. Mm-hmm. So I had twenty days holiday in 
Australia versus you know, 25 to 28 here versus two hours <laughs> in America. I think I had and, eight days. Yeah, I think maternity I was, leave, And I worked up to eight yeah. days. And I some think they started me at six. Have stat- if you are getting you know, kids, there's an interesting one. You can have if kids in certain places, you know, statutory maternity and versus yeah. paternity and all that kind you of get, stuff. You get some I, money. I get, will be completely honest. Yeah. I am forever shocked at how crap from a worker's perspective, That's American terrible. employment law is. Yeah, so get this, Americans. They can't just walk in and say, like, you, you look funny today. You're yeah. fired. Like, they can't do that stuff. Nope. Believe nope. it or you, not. You, the only way you can get fired that easily is if you've done something completely egregious. Hey, you, there's pornography on your computer yeah, that you're watching right like now that. in the middle of a meeting. You're something fired. Something like that. They can't just <laughs> they can do they that. Can't just get rid of you. And, and to be yeah. honest with you, that's as it should be. But, but yeah, yeah. from my perspective, anyway. If you're doing something wrong, then yes. So we just want to, we just want to finish up this a little bit. The, the thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is tips for success we've talked about a few things um from a personal note there's a couple of lessons that i learned that are really important one say yes to everything to begin with say yes to life so like if you're at work or somebody says hey do you want to come out for lunch or hey do you want to do this or hey do you want to do that yes i would like your tongue and say yes unless it's like completely antithetical to everything you believe um say (laughs) yes to stuff go to lunch see people even if you're not sure about them just for a bit yeah because you need to be out there. Uh, the second thing I would say is um, try and get yourself a life outside of work. So whatever hobbies you may have. Um, and don't do that with expats. That is what I would tell you. Don't go to Americans in Australia meet up. Like, I think that's counterproductive. You may disagree with maybe. me, but I think that's counterproductive. I, I, I did it based on my interest, and I just happened to meet some Brits. Well, there's so, a, and there was a lot of So I played I played yeah. golf, and I went on to what's called a website called Meetup and met up with a couple of, uh, a mix. So some Aussies, mm-hmm. a couple of Kiwis, and some Brits to, to find people to play golf with. And that, I can't explain to you how much have that changed my opinion. I remember coming home for my first party. Christmas. I came home every Christmas because... Australians, hot Christmas is weird. And I came <laughs> it's home, not weird to Australians. I don't care. It's weird regardless. <laughs> it's weird What's to weird you. is they still maintain Northern, North, Northern Hemisphere iconography, like icicles and snowmen, I in a country where really that's like situated three quarters of a mile from the surface of the sun. <laughs> oh, um, anyway, uh, oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Uh, so what I was saying is do not hunt out. Like the uh, People are very guilty. A lot oh, of Americans that I know in the UK are like... Yeah oh, I'm going to go on yeah. Meetup and find Americans who like stuff. And then it's a bunch of American people together yeah, going like, isn't England weird? Like, Do you know, person it's... your interest. And I the point of like, when I got back from my, when I got back that first Christmas, I was like, I'm not yes. sure I'm going to be here for more than another year, maybe less. And I got out there and I met these people. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, because of that, my, my life and my appreciation of my life in Australia changed dramatically. Yeah, because you had a social life. Had a social life. And I yeah, can't yeah. explain how important that is. So if, whatever it is, whether it's golf, photography... Walking, running, mm-hmm. CrossFit, you know, and I will whatever say, it is. I will say for me, like, I didn't really invest. have, I didn't really have social hobbies. So, like, my hobbies are, like, Pilates, yoga. Like, those are places you go yeah. and don't talk to anybody and then do your thing and leave. Yeah. I was really lucky in that the people I was working with, um, the, the people I was working with, like, really made an effort to reach out and be welcoming to me. Yes, like, yes, as, I did. <laughs> yes. Welcome. Appropriately. We were, we yeah. were friends when we both worked together That's in Australia. Nice. We were not dating. Um, but yeah, lots of people who I think are just lovely, amazing people, yeah. like reached out and were like, let's go do this. Let's do stuff on the weekend. Yeah. Let's go to brunch. Let's do all that. And that was such a help because if those people had not been reaching out to me, yeah. I would have been yeah. just like, and I know what you Netflix. mean about the expat thing, but the migrants, as we should probably call them. I just find it but the, the thing that, that, that does help there is that they know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. So I knew when you came out 
what you would be going through mm-hmm. having been through it myself and so yeah I, I think that there is something to be said for people who've moved you, you there's a sense of camaraderie I know what you're going through I can potentially there is a sense you. of camaraderie I feel though like it, I saw and see a lot of people do that because I think to be honest they're afraid like they're afraid to go outside of their comfort zone and I'll be real like this is something people don't talk about a lot but when every single thing you do is outside your comfort zone like, I had to get a cell phone. I couldn't get a cell phone because I didn't have credit. Yeah. Like, and yeah, I was like, I was what do you mean on... I don't have credit? Like, I have cre- not here. Not I got here, put you know? on. I got put on Annie's phone. Well, the, the point being is Thankfully. like, when every little thing is a mental challenge to you, you have yes. to think, well, do people, like, I'll give you an example. Just like weird little things, like travel mm. agents. We were talking about this the other day. We were watching an episode of 30 Rock, an American sitcom, where they're like talking about mm. careers that had disappeared. And the first one they say is travel agent. And this is true. In America, there mm. are no travel agents. And when I got to Australia, there were like flight centers everywhere. They're like, well, yeah. just talk to a travel agent. I was like, a what? Yeah, yeah. A who? And then in the UK, it's the same thing. Like a little thing like that. You would just, in the US, you just go on Google Flights and you do your thing. But culturally, yeah. it's different in Australia or the UK. You go to flight center. Yeah. Like what? Why would a person do that? Absolutely. I but think I think the key the thing is also, so what I would say is when you go out, be comfortable with the fact you might be going home. At some point. Mm, yes. Be, until you get to a point where you can get, you know, your visa to a permanent residency or whatever it might, whatever the equivalent is, whatever country you're at. Be okay with the idea that you're going to go home, have an exit mm-hmm. strategy. Because what I think that then does is it mentally frees you up to enjoy yourself. And that's a big deal. And that's the key thing. If you can get rid of the head noise of what happens if I go home? What happens if I lose my home? What happens if I just... What happens if they don't like me? What's the worst that can possibly happen? Well, you end up going home. Yeah. But you've got to get your head, be comfortable with that mm-hmm. in order then, I think, to be free enough to go out and enjoy yourself right and you know i moved to one of my still my favorite city on earth sorry melburnians um and had a wonderful three and a you know nearly nearly four years in sydney so i think i think we've kind of talked a bit about the differences and difficulties i think it's really important to be aware of those and you go Mm -hmm. with your eyes open but i think if you can if you can be comfortable as I say with the idea be comfortable with the idea it might not work out you end up having to go home mm-hmm. it mentally frees you up to enjoy yeah enjoy it yeah I th- if you I spend think... your time scared you're not going to enjoy it yeah I, th- I think for me I think that I would stand behind everything that you're mm-hmm. saying I think a few things to kind of keep in mind is it's incredibly valuable in that it will change the way you see yourself it will change the way you see where you're from mm. and it will change the way you see the world it will change the way you work as well mm-hmm. um it, it's, sorry, no, go, go ahead. On. You carry on. I interrupted you. No, that's all I was going to say. Yeah. Is I, I feel like the change perspective is incredibly valuable. Yeah. And I think it's incredibly valuable for business. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you look at a lot of really successful entrepreneurs in mm. the US and Europe, mm. especially uh, all around, and they are immigrant people. Yeah. Because you see the culture you go to in a very different way through a different lens. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways more objectively. I mean, that's there's even a history of that of Americans coming to the UK and starting businesses and being yeah. very successful. Selfridges. Yeah. Jeremy mm. Piven in his yeah. miniseries. I mean, that's an example yeah. um, of one. But mm. I think that is incredibly valuable. Now, some things I would say. We've talked about money and exchange rates and salary being different, cost of living being different, cultures being different. I think a few other things, like something to consider is when you, for instance, if I went back to the U.S. right now, people would go, oh, that's really cool. You've been working abroad for four yeah. years. That's really neat. Why is your title not as senior as we think 
you should be. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. If I had this role in an agency in the US, I would be yeah. a VP, SVP, whatever. Yeah. Here I am a head of, and that's yeah. fine. That's great. Like high five. That's wonderful. But they don't have like all the, the same titles. So it's mm-hmm. not completely a straight line. And some businesses will see it as missing time. They're like, well, that's great and everything, but it's not applicable because you weren't in the US. So you don't yeah. know what's been going on. So we don't, we feel like you need to be at the same level and not be progressing. Mm-hmm. So some places might see it as missing time. Um, I think it can be really difficult to come back. I think if mm-hmm. you can get transferred back, because that will be very, very helpful. Yeah. And people will understand what you did and why it's valuable. Um, it's the, but it's, it's hard. To it's come the back. hardest thing. Uh, yeah. I have been back nearly, it's over three years now, which I can't quite believe. And I'm not settled in a way. Like career-wise, yeah. I it, it's funny. I was talking about it the other day. Like when I was in Australia, I had a great job. Uh, people seem to think I was doing a reasonable job. It's paid well, great city, and I was doing something different to a lot of my friends. And you feel special, for mm-hmm. one of a better way of putting it. You feel like you're actually doing something cool, yeah, with your life, yeah, yeah. And then I've come back and have, you know, bounced around a few different things and haven't settled career-wise. And I don't feel special anymore. <laughs> and it's and it's a really difficult feeling. You kind of go from thinking, I'm doing something really cool to I'm failing because I'm not doing something cool anymore. And that's a really hard... That's a, I find that really hard. Mm-hmm. Really hard. Yeah, it's difficult. But, you know, I think at the end, in the end, like we both said it, like I, I wouldn't exchange my time anywhere for anything oh, because God, it's incredibly s- valuable. I, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's so cool to be able to say I've... You know, there's two things on my CV that people look at and go, that's cool. Yeah. One is that I worked at Disney for a while. That is cool. And the other one is that I worked in Australia. Yeah. You know, and it, and it, and I, I wouldn't have swapped it for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have done anything differently either. Maybe at the beginning I would have been a bit more mm. relaxed. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say the same. Like, I, th- I think um, it's, there's a lot of valuable things to get out of it. I think it's really expanded my mind. I think... I don't want people to listen to this podcast and come away thinking like, oh, no, it's terrible. They're yeah. going to fire you in any second. It's everyone hates you because we're yeah. I just think that people do not talk about the downside of it enough. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're convinced that working abroad is like the thing you've got to do and you're going to do it, nothing I say is going to dissuade you. Mm-hmm. And I think it, for the most part, it shouldn't. I think what it should do is prepare you. Mm-hmm. Um, it should It should definitely <laughs> give you something to think about and a set yeah. of tools and maybe like, um, and, and maybe we'll consider doing this at some point. Just do like a medium article. It's like 10 things yeah. you should do the first week you're in a new country or something. Yeah. Because I didn't know there weren't a lot of guides. And to be mm. frank, like when you Google like expat forms and stuff, they can be helpful, but they're not. Yeah. They don't really prepare you, I think, the way that they should. So that's it for this episode of Everybody Hates Your Brand. We hope you enjoyed it. You can find show notes, resources, and more episodes on our website, everybodyhatesyourbrand.com. But before we go, Rob is going to leave us on a positive note and share yeah. what he is loving right now. I mean, really quick, because the, the main meet of the podcast was very long. Uh, Mark Ritson celebrating his 10th anniversary writing for Marketing Week. Uh, professor Mark Ritson, um, brand consultant, marketing professor. Um, and as a result, they're doing lots of really interesting articles sort of talking about all the articles he's written and the best ones and the funniest mm-hmm. ones and all those kind of things it's a real gold mine of, of interesting stuff so I would recommend you have a look at it I'll put some links in the show notes mm-hmm.
Well, you did it. You've wasted another perfectly good half an hour or so, or more this yeah, time, with awesome. Rob and Jen and the Everybody Hates Your Brand podcast. Again, you can find us on everybodyhatesyourbrand.com and your podcast platform of choice. Have a week. Take that, Kevin. Thank you.